Welcome to another episode of the Slam Fest podcast, where we bring the premier rock concert pregaming experience from the parking lot to the podcasting airwaves. I'm Brad. So I'm going to cover yet again the same tour I've covered on episode 85 and episode 87, but now with a couple of other differences. A, it was indoors this time. They had added a indoor arena leg to the tour and b it was only two bands not three and not four this episode is going to revolve around the aerosmith kiss show i saw on november 20th 2003 at mci center in washington dc and joining me this week again for the episode slam fest crew member craig hey welcome back hey thanks for having me brad you bet you bet so yeah i think the second half is starting right yes yes (laughs) the second half i teased it (laughs) (laughs) that's right that's right so i mentioned they tacked on this arena run so obviously it was successful uh you know early on the shed shows obviously the the comerica park show we talked about a couple episodes ago so they tacked on another month and a half i would say of arena shows but they hit you know they hit all the big markets again i mean they went back to detroit for crying out loud after playing (laughs) baseball stadium so but what was they, the indoor one in detroit uh palace of auburn hills okay. up in the up in the burbs Pist- there the pistons. pistons home pistons home yeah yeah and omaha got added i'm 95 percent sure that matt went to that show in, uh, in omaha so pretty good odds good odds for sure right so backgrounds with bands on the bill. We talked about that stuff a couple of weeks ago. Aerosmith and Kiss, again, were the only two bands. And I don't think, unless it was like a local support, I, I don't think there was anybody else there. I think it was just, I think it was just a co-headlining show. There's there's no information that I could find on any any sort of opener. If there was one, I didn't see it anyway. <laughs> did you so, go solo or did you? So I did. So back on that nissan pavilion show the first show that's i took holly and again that was you know a month and a half after we had our our daughter (laughs) and that unless it was somebody she wanted to see that was the last straw (laughs) on me taking her to i mean i don't know why i drug her along to that one to be honest with you you know i maybe it was just in my mind i'm like yeah you know i'd rather go with somebody but as people will start to hear i I hit a lot of shows solo moving. Yes, forward. you do. So here was another first with this show, Craig. I took a subway. <laughs> I took the Metro. Yeah. So drove from Columbia down to the Washington Beltway and Greenbelt Station. Uh, again, was, you know, this was only like 15 minutes from my house, but hopped on the subway and it stopped, you know, making stops, making stops and fans are getting on and which was <laughs> kind of cool, you know, kind of thinking about back in the day in New York City, you know, people taking the subway to Madison Square Garden or something. So it was, it was interesting, you know, for a, for a kid from Nebraska, right? Taking yeah. A- does, does it run, does it run all night or late? Oh yeah. It's, and it's, Craig, it's such an awesome system. I mean, you think of a subway. I mean, this thing is clean. The stations are all clean. I mean, it's just, it's, it's well, well done. So it was, again, it was cool, you know, going down to downtown Washington, DC, basically down near the, near the mall where this thing, I mean, there was a stop right there. Was it a true subway like underground? Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Nice. I think it started, you know, it started off those first couple stops might've been above ground, uh, kind of out in the burbs before it, yeah. before it goes underground. So, and then the other thing, so I had a floor seat and you know, when you get, it was uh, assigned seating. So when you go to an arena, obviously kind of, they go from left to right, the front sections, one, two, three, and then the sections behind them, right? Four, five, six. And the mixing board stuff's kind of in the middle of, you know, section five or whatever. So my section was four, row K. And so I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to be, you know, I'm behind the front sections and I'm going to be whatever, you know, 10 to 15 rows back. And I get in there and the configuration is different. And I didn't talk about this on our other show, but there was a catwalk that went out that was just for Aerosmith kiss kiss must've been banned from using it, but that was part of their show, you know, which was, which was interesting, but so they had that. And so that caused kind of a reconfiguration of the floor. So I get in there and I'm down on the floor and I give it to the usher and the usher takes me past what I thought would be section four and puts me in one of those front sections, you know, and I'm about 10 to 12 rows back. Like right on the catwalk. I'm like, oh, so right there, you know, I've seen the show twice already, but not this close either time. And I'm like, oh, it's on. I mean, I was, (laughs) I was really, you know, I was got more excited, you know, just because of my placement in the, in the arena. So anyway, that was, that was pretty cool, but real quick. And there were actually, there were some change. There was some slight changes to the kiss set. And of course, there were a couple of changes to the to the Aerosmith set. So yeah. Kiss's, Kiss's set list. So Detroit Rock City, Deuce, Shout It Out Loud, Let Me Go Rock and Roll, Lick It Up, Firehouse, I Love It Loud, I Want You, God of Thunder, 100,000 Years, Black Diamond, and then Encore, Beth, Love Gun, and Rock and Roll Night. So breakdown of Kiss's set, four songs from the debut, one from Hotter Than Hell, one from Dress to Kill, four from Destroyer, one from Rock and Roll Over, one from Love Gun, zero from Dynasty, Unmasked, and Music from the Elder, one from Creatures of the Night, one from Lick It Up, and zero from Animalize through Psycho Circus. Changes, so they added Lick It Up. Yeah, I saw that. And got rid of Do You Love Me. So they were actually on the Farewell Tour in 2000. They did with Ace and Peter, they actually played Heaven's on Fire, I Love It Loud, and Lick It Up, which was kind of a twist, right? That they lured some fans, hey, come come to the show and see Ace and Peter play <laughs> songs that they weren't a part of, you yeah. know, which was, which was kind of cool. And then they moved, they ended up moving Let Me Go Rock and Roll up to, to slot four. So not a, I mean, not a huge, not a huge change, but adding lick it up was was interesting and i think at that point to craig they had added in the middle of that song they have a breakdown part and they bring in the who's won't get fooled again kind of the that, nice. you know the 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 guitar picking part and then obviously leading up to the the build up and the scream and all that stuff so anyway oh, that's that, cool it is cool it is cool it's getting it's getting a little tiresome now <laughs> they're still doing it when they do that song and i think people are again diehards right that see every tour and see multiple shows i think are getting 
tired of that, but it was There's cool no, when they when no they surprise it. for them. <laughs> right, that's exactly right. So, you know, all in all, and again, I can I can remember really this this might have been my favorite performance of Kiss, which is interesting because it was later in the tour. But I think being indoors, you know, there's just something about an arena show and kind of with all of their stage effects and all that stuff, I think it comes across better uh, in an arena. So it was awesome. They were uh, they were tight and uh, it was it was good and I was close and uh, I ate it up. It was great. Yeah. So moving on to Aerosmith. So set list, Mamakin, Loving an Elevator, Pink, Jaded, Get the Lead Out, What It Takes, I Never Loved a Man, again, Gender Reversal, Girl, The Way I Love You, the Aretha Franklin cover, Stop Messing Around, Fleetwood Mac cover, Baby Please Don't Go, Them cover, Dream On, Lord of the Thighs, Crying. And ended the set with Walk This Way and then just Encored Sweet Emotion. So differences here. So they dropped Same Old Song and Dance, which was, you know, the second slot, I think, on that last show that I saw. And then added Get the Lead Out <laughs> and put it after Jaded, which pretty cool. You know, yeah, I would love to see that song. Yeah, and then they replaced Adam's Apple with not another Toys song, but with Lord of the Thighs, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. I think both of us were a fan of that song. The Lone Get Your Wings, or was there another? That was it. Yeah. The only mistake they made is they dropped Nobody's Fault. <laughs> I know, but Get the Lead Out, I think, would be... <laughs> I like it, that song too. It, I do too. Yep. It was, and it was, it was good. And then other than that, they only had the one song, Sweet Emotion in the encore and, and drop toys in the attic. So, you know, went from four toy songs to two. <laughs> so <laughs> was, was Bobo out or were they, this was a, a lead up to Bobo? It was still a lead up. I don't think that okay. came out until the spring of 04. Four. I could be wrong on that, but okay. it was not out. But they were, yeah, they were leading, leading up to it. But yeah, so at this point, both bands played 14 songs, and versus Aerosmith had been playing more, you know, than Kiss by by a couple of songs. But uh, still, that big gap in there, draw the line through permanent, <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing, which. Again, if those Bobo songs weren't on there, I bet I bet we would have gotten something. You know, yeah, even just stuff. the song "Draw the Line." You know, I, that's... <laughs> I know. I it's it's amazing that they ignored kind of the bookends of those that list of albums that they ignored. But oh yeah. well, oh well. They ignored dude, so they ignored dude, which yeah, you would have approved. But yeah, like I, again, like I said, I think Aerosmith was. This was probably this was probably the best overall show of the three that I that I saw, and again, a lot of it I think has to do with the uh, the indoor piece of it and my good seats, my upgrade, <laughs> Craig, that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, and I, I kind of like the um, I like the fourteen songs, fourteen songs. Yeah, it's it, it's a good time for each. You know, it's not 
it's not overkill exactly exactly so yeah so i mean it was again it was cool it was cool that they put the bill together and i uh took advantage of of it coming close to me and then obviously matt and i fly into detroit to see the and you saw this three times so three times yep okay yep early august early september and then not until november right before thanksgiving so heck yeah dude good stuff and then obviously taking the subway home you know again it was cool right a bunch of fans getting on and people talking about the show and you're you know (laughs) making the trek up to your stop and and then just a short drive for me back uh back home but yeah that that was probably the first time i was in the mci center trying to think if i had yeah i don't think we we took our daughter to a hockey game (laughs) when she was six months old but the capitals and wizards that play there or just the capitals no both of them Yeah. yeah so yeah i think at that point the uh you know the big arena over in landover maryland which um the capitol center i think was yeah. the old and the u.s airways arena that is yeah kind of off to the east there so i'm kind of bummed there's a lot of history at that venue but didn't get a chance to see anything in there but again mci center yeah it was new i think it had just opened yeah. um, a few years Wa- before that so <laughs> washington and their uh, mascots yeah. Remember when they remember when they were the Washington Bullets? Yeah, which before that they were it was the Baltimore Bullets. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, not not good, not, not good, not good at all. But anyway, so yeah, it was cool to cool to see it yet again. And again, there were some differences across all three concerts that I saw. So it was definitely definitely a good time. That's right in your wheelhouse right in my wheelhouse for sure for sure so now moving on to the band on the bill spotlight so as i alluded to and craig teased on episode (laughs) 80 87 there we are going into the second half of our aerosmith first six versus kisses first six so the second trilogy of both so craig before we started the other one I kind of made a mistake. I said, there's only, there's three, you know, the three albums from each. And I said, there's someone's got to win. There's no way there can be a tie. Well, there could have been a tie. There could be. You and I were in lockstep. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why it ended up being. So really, I think I said it was Aerosmith, you know, leading two to one. In reality, it was Aerosmith leading four to two. because of our individual picks so we will we will keep that in mind as we go through the second trilogy and count each of our votes because there may be we may veer off from each other we may (laughs) it's possible it'll it'll be it'll be interesting for for sure so anyway let's start off with aerosmith rocks versus kiss destroyer and I, I've been I've been texting Craig. I texted him two different times saying that this might be the end of me <laughs> after <laughs> after this discussion. And it's uh, as they say, this is a toughie. Yeah, this, was fun. <laughs> this is a toughie. So rocks, I guess, Craig. You want to chat well, a little I, bit about it? Well, I think I need to put a disclaimer in there um, because Brad's a kiss guy. 
<laughs> always been. BC is yep. a kid guy. Yep. Matt's an ACDC guy. I've always been an Aerosmith guy. There you go. Yep. And um, so keep that in mind. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But uh, Rocks is Rocks is a top five album for me. <laughs> of all time? Yes. Um, I think that's where where it all came together for them. Production, songs, everybody being involved with songwriting. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. So back in the saddle, Last Child, you know, those were on the greatest hits. Rats yep. in the Cellar, uh, it's kind of got a Toys in the Attic pace. Um, it's got cool harmonica combination. I kind of put Dirty Groove. It's Joe Perry song. Sick as a Dog. Um, just sounds like Aerosmith has the great breakdown with the guitar. Yep. Um, get the lead out. It's like funky and then kind of psychedelic at the end. Uh, Nobody's Fault is probably my favorite Aerosmith song. Um, it's just one of their heavier songs, too. And yeah. even even Testament did a cover of that um, on one of their early albums. Yes. Um, Licking a Promise, that just sounds like Aerosmith. And um, Home Tonight, Ballad with Nice Bluesy Guitars. I just think it's solid up and down. Um, and then Kiss, Destroyer, that was... Uh, that was one that my cousin had, so we listened to it a lot. Detroit Rock City is just a classic. The only thing I the only thing I would ding that on is if I didn't want to hear the intro every time. Um, but it's it's a great song. Um, same with King of the Nighttime World. Um, I really like the drumming and the solo on there too. Um, God of Thunder that was a favorite at the Garen household too because it's kind of it's sinister Gene. Yeah. You know, yep. Uh, and great expectations. I, I got, I get almost the David Bowie feel to it. Um, I like it. Flaming Youth, and that one reminded me of Alice Cooper a little bit. Um, and I thought the organ was a nice touch. Yep. Um, or Sweet or Pain. or or Calliope. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I'm calling it an organ. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like they're playing outside I of a I circus. Didn't liner notes when I was going through. I didn't. Uh, Sweet pain didn't do so much for me. Shout it out louds and all. That's another favorite. And Beth, when I was a kid, man, Beth was so cool. It is still cool. Um, it's a great song. Yep. And um, do you love me? I kind of. I thought it was a great album closer. I thought. Uh, Paul was kind of nice and snarky in it. Um, swagger, with, man. Yeah, swagger <laughs> with the lyrics, you know. Yeah. With you know, I'm I'm a little bit famous now. Uh, yeah, is that what you're into? <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so out of those two albums, there was one song that that didn't do it for me, and that was Sweet Pain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And all right. Well, let me. Uh, yeah, let me. Let me talk about them too. Even though might. Uh, might know where you're leaning maybe maybe <laughs> so so rocks yeah so rocks obviously not as not as uh, big as toys was you know sold half as half as many but what did it check in at well certified four times platinum okay so and again that's certification right you've got to actually submit it to the riaa to get it certified so these albums that get certified they've sold more yeah. <laughs> than though you know but that's what it's been that's what it's been certified at. So, 
yeah, back in the saddle. I mean, great intro, great lead off track, great song to start a show <laughs> with. It is. That's I'm back. Yeah, they back did. in the saddle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, just great. Uh, Last Child. So yeah, again, those two were kind of the quote unquote hits. Like you said, they were on, the, it was on the greatest hits. Trying to think about Last Child. Is there really a chorus? The arrangement's kind of interesting. You know, the yeah, home sweet what... home part, maybe. And then yeah. at the end, they say, you know, I was a last child, just a punk in the street. Um, yeah, that's a Whifford one, too. It's pretty yeah. funky. Yeah. Yep. And they've that got kind of those sirens or whatever, kind of during yeah. the outro is is cool. Rats in the Cellar, exactly your, your comment of it's kind of a toys in the attic vibe. Those songs, I think, are brother and sister <laughs> to me. Yeah. Love them. Both upbeat, both. You know, again, kind of interesting arrangement in there. That New York City schools, east side, west side. That part is so great. So yeah. great. Love it. Combination. So Joe Perry, he he's the only one that wrote that one. He was the yeah. sole writer on there, which that's a heavy, <laughs> that's a yeah. heavy riff. <laughs> that's a heavy riff as well. And I, it, I mean, his vocals might be down a little bit but it's like a double vocal i think it, steve's it, yes he's singing with him. exactly harmonies yeah during the verses there yeah yep definitely sick as a dog just great intro slower tempo and the please you know holding that note um, yeah. and those harmonies is just ah it's just so so good and sick as a dog what's your story cat got your tongue yeah you know just all of it fantastic Nobody's fault. Yeah. Heavier side of Aerosmith for sure. And again, kind of a weird, right? How sick kind of fades into. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just, it's just well done. Well done production. Get the lead out. I think the only thing, and I've, I've talked about this on other episodes in general, not Aerosmith only, but any band. I don't love when the vocal follows the riff like to a T. I just, I don't know. There's something with that. I would like the riff to be doing something different, kind of the underlying riff. So there's a couple times where it, it does do that, but overall, I mean, the song is great. Licking a promise, you know, the na na nas, yeah, you know, they, yeah. they, they get me, get me every time. And then <laughs> home tonight, just Tyler writing it. Great. Amazing, amazing ballad. Love it. Love it. So then Destroyer, so no secret, this was my first album out of everything <laughs> that I ever had. Got, got the eight track from my babysitter, Craig. She uh, she had a live on vinyl and this eight track and I bought it from her for five bucks. <laughs> it's like 78 time frame when we lived on Apache actually. And Matt so would remember like her five. name. Yeah, so I was like five, five or six. Yeah. You knew what you liked. Uh, apparently. So this thing has been, you know, with me the longest out of any <laughs> any album uh, that I've that I've heard. So Detroit Rock City, obviously epic. And what's so funny about it, Craig, I think I imagined with the car noises and all that stuff, I imagined they were either playing in the back of a pickup. <laughs> while driving or a flatbed <laughs> truck is a kid so i can't uh 
can't get that kind of memory out of my mind. But I mean, production wise for the whole album and like you were saying last week with Rock and Roll Over, confidence wise, you know, their vocals. I mean, it's just a quantum leap over those first three studio albums kind of songwriting and if they name a movie after one of your songs it's yeah pretty (laughs) that's right king of the nighttime world again it's technically a cover which i don't know if you even knew that i didn't so the band hollywood stars kim fowley and mark anthony i don't know who that is but they they were there is it is it i don't know well kim fowley he's the guy who put together uh joan jett's little yeah that's right. The um, That's right. Gosh, the Runaways. The Runaways. Yeah, yeah. So, but there was input from Paul Stanley and Bob Ezrin, uh, the producer on this. So the basic song structure is there. Verse melody and chorus melodies are kind of different. Lyrics are mostly the same, but like the third verse, there's some differences. So anyway, great, uh, great song. God of Thunder. I mean, talk about mood setting. That's <laughs> just a evil song again paul stanley wrote it which was always confusing for people the the demo of that song is upbeat actually is it and bob ezrin took it and said no we're turning this into gene's song (laughs) and And it kind of is like the gene song oh yeah yeah i was yeah got under man i mean i was raised by the demons i'm the lord of the wastelands i mean scary yeah scary stuff the kid the kid voices in there, the bat wing sound effects, jeans. You know, the end of that song, Craig, almost could have ended up on Venom's black metal. <laughs> With the groaning and, you know, it just is, it's evil stuff. Great expectations. I, I wasn't sure what to do with it as a five or six-year-old, but as I, <laughs> as I grew up, I learned to appreciate it a little bit more. It's a cool song, you know, talking about, um, you know, my fingers playing the guitar and this is what you know they can do and all this stuff thought it was thought it was interesting as i got older and that line in there jeans i think double tracked then you feel these eyes from the stage and you see me staring at you that part that lyric is uh is anyway something that always stuck with me flaming youth great song but i'll tell you what matt used to make fun of me i don't know if he would remember this but the fact that paul sings my parents think i'm crazy they hate the things i do i'm stupid and i'm lazy man if they only knew he would make fun of me and just say see they're singing about being stupid (laughs) being lazy he was he was jabbing me even as a five or six year old so I don't know if he would remember that or not, but I think those that lyrical contents why it reminded me of Cooper. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. And again, Bob Ezrin was involved, and he's a Cooper guy too. Is he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He okay. He produced all those the classic, you know, Alice Cooper band. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. The big ones. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet pain. You know, I I like the riff. I you know I think the I think the chorus is good when Gene's double track, but I. Not a fan of the, I'll call it the cassettes, right? The the female voices back there when they're they're on their own. I mean, it they do. It, it's good to have those to kind of compliment just the guys singing. But when they're singing on their own on some of these Kiss songs, I don't know. Not a not a huge fan of it. Shout it out loud, great Paul and Gene both trading off on the lead vocals. On, on shout it out loud, like the studio version. I was so used to the live like 
call all your friends in the neighborhood. And I'm waiting <laughs> Hello. for that. Hello. <laughs> yes. I meant to ask you, Craig, I, you're probably, you were familiar with these songs on Alive 2 first, probably, right? Yeah. And then yep. went back, you know, went yep. to the studio. Yeah. Um, the, the outro, you know, got to have a party, you know, party. Those, yeah. that stuff. I mean, and Paul's interjections, I thought to turn it up louder and everybody shout it now. I hear it getting louder. Oh, God, he sounds so good on that outro. Yeah. And, and the comment, you know. You, yeah. If you're, they're too old, they don't understand, you know. <laughs> right. It speaks to kids. Yep. And then Beth. I mean, it's a classic, you know, the just a few more hours. I'll be right home to you. His double track vocal on that part is so good. Uh, just love, love the song. And like you, you talked about, do you love me and his swagger, you know, the, the, your backstage pass and black sunglasses make you look just like a queen. That part where his voice, they got an effect on his voice uh, with that part. Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. So, all right, Craig, this might be where we where we take the fork in the road. Yeah, my like I texted you. This was this was Ollie <laughs> this was Ollie Frazier. What was far. the what was your first response to the text a couple weeks ago? I can't remember what you said. Oh, heavyweights. I think you just, <laughs> you were just saying these are heavyweights and then oh, yeah, then you said then you said Ollie Frazier. <laughs> yeah, these are big boy. These are big boy albums. <laughs> Yeah. So what do you what do you got to go with? Well, I I'm an Aerosmith guy, and this is my favorite Aerosmith album. So (laughs) I've I've got to go with Aerosmith rocks. Only you know there was there was one song out of how many twenty? Yeah, yeah. Like these two. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I could go back to back on these and just yeah, let them roll. Yeah. Yeah, and again, yeah, same thing with me. I I, can, I cannot go against my my first album and obviously favorite Kiss album as well. But this is you know that's my favorite Aerosmith album and favorite Kiss album up yeah, against each other. So that's that's a that's a toughie. It'll be interesting to see what the Facebook uh, comments are on this particular matchup. So that puts Aerosmith at five, and that puts Kiss at three. So, all right. So next up, draw the line versus rock and roll over. So rock and roll over. We kind of made our comments last <laughs> on the last episode because we did the which side are you on? But you could still, you know, kind of uh, yeah recap and, recap that and, album. But and on on another listen, it might have it might have changed a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So draw the line, Greg. Okay, draw the line. Um, the, the song, the title track is classic Aerosmith, but I always, I didn't think it got the Rocks production. It, to me, it sounds a little thin on, yeah. I mean, on live, it just like, it's a whole different song. Um, I want to know why I felt it was a little quick and didn't have like the Aerosmith groove. Uh, Critical Mass, I like cool guitar effects, cool harmonica, um, Get It Up. I thought it has great guitars. Yep. Bright Light Fright. Never liked that. It's Joe Perry one. Probably should have been on his solo album. Yep. Um, Kings and Queens. That's like probably my least favorite on the Greatest Hits album. I, the subject matter doesn't doesn't feel like Aerosmith. <laughs> no, not at all. And the, the Hand That Feeds. 
I thought that was too quick for the Aerosmith groove. If they slowed it down, maybe they would have hit that. Uh, Sight for Sore Eyes, I, that's one of my favorites off here. Yes. And then Milk, Milk Cow Blues cover. I, I love that song. It kind of lets them stretch out a little bit and shows what guitar players can do. Yeah. Um, and Rock and Roll Over. I already professed my love for I Want You. Um, calling Dr. Love. Just a great, great Kiss song. And I don't know if last last time, but Baby Driver, I don't know. It kind of uh, it grew on me a little bit. Um Good groove chorus um, and hard luck woman, you know, that's another great kiss song. Um, and then making love's just a great jam. Um, yeah, yeah, probably my favorite on there, even nice. over "I Want You" at this point. Oh, nice, interesting, interesting. Yeah, so draw the line. So when we I did that previous Aerosmith episode with Mike and Matt, Matt said that draw the line is one of his favorite Aerosmith songs, period. Which was it's interesting. Better. Yeah. <laughs> Which was interesting. He may have said even the seven maybe he said of the seventies era. But what was <laughs> what was interesting, I, I said this quote on that episode. So Joe Perry says, We were drug addicts dabbling in music versus musicians dabbling in drugs. <laughs> That's point. kind of what it feels like on I Want to yeah. Know Why and um, yeah. and the Feeds and Bright Light Fright, you know. E exactly, exactly. So, again, yeah, Draw the Line, classic riff, just just great stuff. But I actually, I like I Want to Know Why. I, I I like the riff, and there's some piano in there. Harmonizing, I Want to Know Why, everybody's good intention, got to make a fool out of me. Fool out of me. Yeah. Piano solo, I think, kind of works in there. Just, I, I don't know, I'm kind of a fan of that song. Critical, yeah. Critical Mass is kind of all over the place. It is. For, for me, I mean, I, I after a, another listen here this week, I, you know, I, I did like it a little bit more than I think I I did before. You know, the, the fade out and then fade back in with that Beatles trick. I guess initially <laughs> with with doing that I kind of I kind of ripped on that the, the first time. Get it up. Great. I think that's great. Rhythm section is really I have a comment really humming. Uh great slide guitar in the solo. Bright light fright. Eh, I you know I, the horns. I think that there's some good horns <laughs> in that song. I uh but that's that's probably the only thing uh, that I would. Uh, yeah, if horns is your favorite part yeah. of an Aerosmith, <laughs> yeah, not not great. Uh, Kings and Queens. I, I'm actually uh, again, yeah, the, the subject matter doesn't make any sense, um, but kind of the arrangement of the song and and where it goes, um, I think is I think is pretty cool. Kind of a kind of a fan of it. Hand that feeds. I don't know. I, what, I made a comment here. Verse, not great. Sounds like some sort of bird is dying. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what I mean. I'm not positive what I meant by that. But sight for your sore eyes, love it. Yeah, yeah, that part. That's the part. Sight for sore eyes, funky, funky feel, cool driving riff throughout. Great stuff. And then Milk Cow Blues. Yeah, it's a cover, but cool straight ahead rock and roll song, man. I, yeah. yeah, cool stuff cool stuff rock and roll over so yeah so take me 
Dr. Love on side one are, are, my, are my standouts. Side two, Mr. Speed, Hard Luck Woman, and Making Love. And, you know, see comments from that previous episode where we where we did the Witch Saturday on on there. But uh, so I don't know, Craig, this this one's kind of a maybe a wild card. I'm not not sure which which way you would be going. Well, for standout tracks, I'm five and five on this one. <laughs> but uh, I'm an Aerosmith guy. I'm going to the line. <laughs> So, yeah, so I'm probably, again, I'm going to have to turn in my Kiss Army card. I'm actually going draw the line yeah. over, rock and roll over. And, you know, just the, maybe the low points on rock and roll over for me, you know, just, uh, I just can't get away from, from some of that stuff that I'm not a, not a fan of. It's got some great stuff on it, but overall i think draw the line is is better so craig and i both went with draw the line so that brings aerosmith up to seven and kiss still at three so now on to aerosmith night in the ruts and kiss love gun so craig's got history with kiss love gun let's see what happens here all right (laughs) But I will say that even though it's, it's dysfunctional in the band, Night in the Ruts, I, I think is a pretty great album. Before you get started on that, Matt and yeah. I both liked Night in the Ruts more than Ullman. Ullman couldn't believe that we didn't have it at the bottom of when we did that ranking of those. He <laughs> he, he kept he wouldn't let it go. It was hilarious. I remember. <laughs> he was like, I want an explanation. <laughs> of why this is before you know below that or whatever it was fantastic so i'll try to give him some (laughs) i'll try to give him some answers yeah okay go so no surprise that's classic aerosmith so joe perry was i think he quit like part way through the recording (laughs) right he did and um but he plays on a lot of these um and writes them you know he wrote no surprise chiquita um Chiquita's cool. It's got a nice groove. It's got some horns. Uh, remember walking in the sand, kind of like Kings and Queens. I've never been a huge fan. Uh, cheesecake, I think, is is great with the slide guitar groove. Three Mile Smile. It's got a great groove and guitars. There's what three covers on here or two? Three. three. It's the it's their version of Diver Down. Yeah, and so Reeferhead, <laughs> Reeferhead Woman. It's a nice blues song. I like it. Um, Bone to Bone, Coney Island Whitefish Boy, not a huge fan. Think about it. Um, I think Tyler kind of carries that. He, uh, it's, it's all right. Um, Mia, I like Mia. It's a dark sounding ballad and it's got kind of a cool ending with it. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Love Gun. Like I said in an earlier episode, my cousin had that and we just sat around and thought we're cool. I loved your your yeah. comment on that. You were like, "We gathered around the speakers." We did. <laughs> That's I, so I can awesome. Still picture it, man. Yeah, and, we, and looked we, at the artwork, right? Yeah, we passed at the artwork, and gosh, the hot uh, kiss, <laughs> 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 but anyways, I stole your love. That's 
just a great Kiss song, and we had it on the live one. And right. Christine 16, um, I think that's a great song too. And what's funny is I was when I was a kid, Christine 16, she was an old older girl. I, I exactly that's that's what I, I, I hear it. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly i mean i wonder i mean well gene wrote it you know being a you know dirty dirty old man a dirty yeah. you know dirty you know upper 20s probably was where he was at but for everybody that he that was hearing it yeah <laughs> you know we were all younger than that or a lot yeah. of us were you know so yeah it was like an yeah. older girl <laughs> exactly uh, got got love for sale. Not necessarily a standout, but I like the drumming a lot. Um, Shock me, it's one of my favorite Kiss songs. Tomorrow and tonight, it's uh, it's I put Poppy Good, good party song. Yeah. Um, love Gun, great um, Hooligan. I put good good lead guitar on there. It's not one of my favorites. Almost Human, it's got a gong. And bon- <laughs> and like bongos or something. It's a yeah, weird it's got a percussion. Weird, yeah, cool background vocals and uh, lyrics are <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, the, there's guitar lead effects that are are pretty cool in there. I like that one. Uh, Plaster Caster um, repeated the line "Love in Her Hands" from Christine's, <laughs> but it sounds like Kiss, which to me is a good thing. Then she kissed me, and uh, that's a cover, right? Yep. But it, it sounds like a New York cover, you know, like yeah. a New York band. It fits. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah, so Night in the Ruts, you know. I. So this was, so Jack Douglas was gone, you know, so this Gary Lyons guy, yeah. you know, with Aerosmith. And yeah, lots of covers on it, but I mean, no surprise. Just, a, just a killer, killer song. I love it. Chiquita, or yeah, I made the comment tequila. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> right. So to me, I had a Queen feel to it. I don't know if you hear that or not. I, I there's like a there's a riff in there that kind of sounds sounds like queen to me yeah yeah um remember queen was in their stride too so i'm sure oh yeah yeah hard not to pick something like that up and that remember walking in the sand that shangri-la's cover actually i love it and you know we'll talk about then she kissed me but i um i love that cover as well so i kind of love both of these covers um kind of the i guess the motown um feel to it cheesecake Actually, I like that song. I've got it noted as uh, liking it. Um, a verse back in the saddle. He drops that line in there. Uh, back yeah. in the saddle, she said, which is kind of cool. I always and, thought like cheesecake. If they didn't like speed it up at that to the chorus, I thought it w- was stronger with just like that slow that slide feel. through. Yeah. yeah, interesting, interesting. Side two, so three mile smile. I, great riff, rhythm section. Yeah, you know, kind of the outro kind of picks obviously double time <laughs> there at the end as it's soloing. But you know, the reefer head woman. I mean, it's obviously very bluesy cover. You know, sounds good. Just I, 
not necessarily something i'm i'm not a huge fan of those real bluesy covers that zeppelin does on their on their early albums either it just doesn't it just doesn't really do anything for me so bone to bone coney island white fish boy for some reason craig i missed that song (laughs) and i don't have any notes on it but we'll move on to think about it yardbirds cover yeah riff actually to me sounds kind of aerosmithy you know to to me but again it's a yet another cover uh, on here and then mia i think it's a great ballad and very kind of grandiose ending you know to it and again solely written by tyler which is interesting right that in the 70s he was kind of pinning these uh these ballads yeah on his on his own obviously some foreshadowing to them having some big ballads in the in the late 80s and early 90s the one thing i put on there um because perry doesn't play on that it's the uh, crespo and supa and they're no joe Joe perry's i mean you can tell yeah yeah and so moving on to love gun i stole your love i mean it was funny the episode that brad cohen was on I don't remember why we talked about that song. I think maybe we were talking about Alive and Alive 2 on there. <laughs> Brad's comment, this song deserves to be played in front of 10,000 people. <laughs> it does. And the, the thing, one of my notes on there is it has the live pace. Yeah. Like like yeah. It, yeah. like some sometimes the studio is either a little slower or whatnot, but that one like captures that live feel. I mean, the the delay on his voice... I got to laugh when I think of the things you said. How does it feel to find out you're failing your test? You know, that part right before the chorus. Ah, forget about it. I, that, that, it had me at that. <laughs> I just love, love that part. Christine 16, we talked a little bit about aside from the subject matter. It's just a great pop song. It just is, <laughs> you know, and uh, Tone Loke sampled it. <laughs> Did he? Funky Cold Medina. Bow, Man. bow, now, now. I wish they could still sample, man. I Those rap, they made oh, yeah. great. It's so cool, yeah. Got love for sale. I can remember not being a fan of this song as a kid, but man, oh man, I think it kicks you in the face. And there's that the guitar solo in there. It's like three different parts to it. It just great, great stuff. Shock me. I mean, you know, what do you, what do you say? Ace's first uh, lead vocal on a Kiss album. Drumming is just fantastic on that song. Just love it. Tomorrow tonight, great description. I, I mean, fun pop rock song is what I wrote. You know, he kicks off the, I think the verse. Everybody's high when the weekend's through. You know, nineteen seventy-seven. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, of course, the cassettes are back there. You know, doing some backing vocals, which again, I think it works well. But I don't like them when they're kind of on their own. Uh, Love Gun, same thing. Brad says this deserves to be played in front of ten thousand people, and it's just a it's just a classic. Hooligan and Almost Human. Uh, you know, I don't know. Hooligan starts off with my granny. <laughs> lyric. I don't know. It's they they gave you know gave Peter a a vocal and. I don't know. It never really did much for me. Almost Human, it's been odd to me from the first time I've heard it. Again, it's kind of scary 
too, you know, not not as much as God of Thunder, but just kind of a weird vibe to it. Just never really did anything for me. Plastercaster, also, I don't really remember listening to it. Had this on 8-track also, Craig, so trying to bounce around to different tracks. You know, I probably yeah. got in the middle of the songs sometimes trying to get to some of the ones that I really liked and and but I I love it now I mean I, the way it builds throughout the song and just gets fuller and fuller and fuller and the do they put that in their sets often so no they they did it on surprisingly they did it on MTV Unplugged huh. which I it came across it, it came across okay on there but yeah I don't know why they don't uh, I don't know why they didn't ever play it really I, I think it's a i think it'd be a great song live great backing vocals so then she kissed me like i mentioned i actually love it i mean kiss fans say this is a perfect album or could be a perfect album if they didn't have that song on there i don't know what they're talking about i loved it i loved it as a kid and you know it's mo i think it's just paul singing so he's harmonizing obviously with himself but i i think it's great I think it's I think it's a great song, great cover, and they switched. What is it, it Phil Spector? Yeah, I think so, and I can't remember which girl group did it. It was then he kissed me, and obviously Kiss switched the gender and said then she kissed me. So anyway, I I always liked that song. So all right, Craig, what do you what do you think? Night in the well, Ruts or Love Gun? Probably on paper, this looked like a blowout, but. Uh... I do love me some Night in the Ruts, but uh, got to give it to Love Gun. All right. Yeah. So being my second Kiss album, uh, it, even though I, I like Night in the Ruts, I think more than more than a lot of people do, I got to give this one to Love Gun as well. So Kiss sweeps this one. So the final standings, Aerosmith seven points, Kiss five points. So Aerosmith's the winner. And we had a tiebreaker in the back pocket. We did. <laughs> I know that I know the outcome of that one. <laughs> do we want to do we want to mention real quick what it was? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, we don't have to dive into it or whatever, but so I threw out to Craig, I said, hey, if we end up in a tie, of course, we could have another tie, you know, if we were <laughs> if we were in a tie. So I said, let's. Let's put a live up against uh, Aerosmith's live bootleg. And uh, so, I don't know. What would you have done? I think the live bootleg's kind of sloppy. Yeah. Um, Which, that that's kind of what it's supposed to be, right? It's yeah. it's called live bootleg because supposedly it wasn't there wasn't much touching to it. But. Yeah. I, they do have Chip Away at the Stone on there, which is the yeah. reason I bought it. But yeah. when I listened to it when I was younger, I was like, well, this is... I thought that I thought when they released the classics live, that was there those were better. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. it seemed like they were a little, you know, there might have been in the midst of substance. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it was sloppy, and the you know the kiss. Which one were we going live? Alive. We were going alive. Yeah, yeah. yeah those are great. <laughs> yeah, and so this that live bootleg was after was after draw the line but before night in the ruts right yeah it fit, it fit, it fit right in right in there so yeah my my simple answer to it is alive makes those songs better 
<laughs> live bootleg doesn't necessarily make the songs better to me, yeah. you know, from, the, from know, the studio. Even now, knowing that it was between Draw the Line and Nine and the Ruts, that was probably... Exactly. They were probably getting propped up on stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Craig, that was fun. That was fun. That was. That was fun homework, putting, you know, two huge bands and putting their first, first six albums up against each other one-to-one. That was a good time. Yeah. That was a good time. So now on to the Slam Fest tip of the week. So I kind of alluded to this in talking about this show at the MCI Center. So outdoor shows versus indoor shows. So, Craig, I know you've been to some outdoor shows. And, you know, like that festival in Cheyenne, obviously, that you yeah. that you went to, right? Or even a, a amphitheater, you know, type type show you know versus an arena show i don't know where do you where do you stand um i i prefer the indoor um just because i've been burned a couple times on outdoor at fiddler's green one time i was up on the lawn and i think it was pearl jam and and they just didn't there was there was no sound up there and you couldn't and then another time i was on a, a windy night in at red rocks and it just it was just music was coming through in waves. Yeah. I just like, you know, pay, you know, especially nowadays you're paying a good amount of money. I want everything dialed in. I want lights, the lights, the sound, a controlled environment. And, you know, when you get those chances for an indoor GA, you know, GA floor, I like that, you know, like even, even though Ford field was huge, that was, that was great to be on the floor. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. You know, well, and Craig, we grew up with GA on the floor. In an I arena. know those you doors know? would open, and you'd sprint up to get as close as you could. It's it was for just, better yeah. or worse. Yeah, I mean, I think that's. But you're right. Like the sound. I mean, indoors, and you know. So think about it. When these bands put these productions together, and they're rehearsing, and they're doing dress rehearsals and all that stuff, where are they doing it? They're doing it indoors, right? Yeah. I mean, they're they're setting it up initially for an indoor situation and they then they've got to kind of reconfigure it because you go to a shed and the stage area is probably different at each place and it's you know you go to arenas arenas are pretty much the same you know yeah. the same sizes and they don't have to fiddle with that stuff so the one thing about outdoor shows though the environment right there's nothing like a show at red rocks <laughs> with yeah. your atmosphere <laughs> yeah and all outdoor shows for for some reason to me have more of a party vibe yeah like, definitely like i i think that just like the the vibe of the crowd and in the parking lot it just seems more of a kind of a party atmosphere you know and indoors more like all right we're going we're here to see party. the show and yep. this is <laughs> this yep. is what we're doing yeah 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 so yeah so i think i'd be i'd be a fan of the indoor stuff but that you know there is there is something to be said about tailgating outside of a amphitheater yeah because it usually you know, means it's somewhere too yeah because versus you go to an arena show you know you're parking in a parking garage downtown probably you know it's the that whole that whole vibe you know kind of gets might be february sense. weather yeah right exactly exactly so anyway kind of a Kind of interesting because I saw this in a shed, saw it in a baseball stadium, and then saw it in an arena. So kind of. And this arena you, you felt was your favorite. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
even though yeah even though it was later on in the tour i just i yeah i thought it thought it was better out of out of all three so now to close this episode out with the which side are you on So like I do with any kiss related episode, throw the remaining albums in a randomizer and it spits something out. So Craig was lucky enough to get kiss unmasked. (laughs) So released May 20th, 1980 produced by Vinnie Poncia charted at number 35 and is certified gold. So (laughs) Craig, when I, when I think I sent this to you, originally via text of what we were going to talk about you're like so is that one with the that's the cartoon cover (laughs) or the comic strip cover and i said it is so my guess is you've never heard this record before i heard it once now (laughs) (laughs) so my brief history with it so i actually it was part of my first five actually kiss albums so and it was eight track and it was a brown eight track that i bought at the locust south locust street kmart and shortly probably shortly after it came out that was uh, my first job oh nice nice maybe you sold it to me no (laughs) i didn't last long so the album cover i thought was interesting again i'm still a kid at the obviously at the time so i thought that was interesting of course that last square in there with that supposed to be a a critic saying i still say they stink thing always kind of stood out to me i was like i can't believe they put this on their album cover why would they why would they do that but here's the other thing craig so i had destroyer love gun dress to kill dynasty and now unmasked on eight track and i had the four solo albums on lp that at that time that's kind of what i had so but i don't remember listening to this as a kid, I think when I got it in the mid eighties on cassette might've really been the first time I gave it a, a listen, you know? So no Peter Chris, he's on the cover. He's credited, but it's Anton Fig of Dave Letterman, Dave Letterman. Yeah. And Anton Fig was actually on uh, the majority of dynasty as well. Peter Chris had a song on there that he sang on, and I believe played drums on but he was, uh, he was on his way out. So, and then obviously the production, <laughs> it was, was almost kind of a new wave, uh, new wave pop album production. Well, you nailed my sentiments right there. <laughs> there you go. So, so what did you think? What did you think of some of these songs, Craig? Is there... <laughs> So what came after this creatures? So music from the elder, which I don't okay. know if you're even familiar with that, but that's a weird concept album. And then creatures in 82. Yeah. And then lick it up and then lick it up. Yep. Okay. So creatures kind of was like back on the upswing. We're back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> side one, um, is that you, uh, I put almost has a new wave feel. Yeah. And then I put solid lead guitar. I actually like that song. What'd you think Shan- of the what'd you think of the falsetto? You always get the boys you like. Kind of it just fit it. in the new wave thing, you know. Yeah. It, yeah. it totally sounded like 1980. Yeah. Like yeah. regardless of the band. Um, yeah. Yep. 
Shandy. That uh, doesn't sound like Kiss. Sounds like soft rock. Talk to me. Uh, I like the opening guitar sounds. I liked it till it kept repeating. Talk to me. Yep. The... Naked City sounds like 1980s. Gene sings high notes well. Sounds uninspired. Yep. What makes the world go round? Sounds like Kiss. Um, reminds me a little bit of I Was Made for Loving You. Yeah. In a way, not yeah. as good. Yeah. But, uh, yep. So let me. Yeah. So let me comment on on side one. Also, okay. so so is that you is actually a cover, quote unquote cover. Gerard McMahon wrote the song. Okay. And there is kind of a demo out there with him doing it. And I don't know if it actually got, <laughs> I'm not sure if it actually got released for him. But anyway, kind of interesting that Kiss started an album off with a quote unquote cover. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good song. They played it live during that tour and decent song shandy you know it is actually craig it was a huge hit in australia (laughs) for some reason and i think it would have been a cool song just a cool acoustic song don't have any of that other stuff going on just and i think paul in australia when they tour there i think he does it by himself maybe the first verse and a chorus you know just for just because it was a hit but yeah the rest of it uh not great. Talk to me. You know the first of three Ace songs on here. It, the riff is okay, and the verse is okay. But yeah, the outro. You got tired of him saying "talk to me." But how about "talk to me"? He, talk to me. He, <laughs> I, I uh, it just kills it. Kills the song for me. Naked City. It's okay. Baseline is interesting. Verses interesting. Falsetto in there. Uh, like you said, kind of the high high pitch notes. What makes the world go round? Good riff. I think the verse melody is really good, and it's a good pop song. Pre-chorus, falsetto, but then the chorus kind of loses me. I, I, the harmonies, and then of course, oh man, there's keyboards all over this thing. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's keyboard solos all over this album. You know where there should be guitar solos. So anyway, that's. Uh, that's kind of my thoughts on side one. So, how did they land with Vinny? Vinny Poncia. So, Vinny Poncia did Peter Chris's solo album, produced it. And I think Peter demanded, he was in a demanding type of <laughs> role at that point, either, or he was leaving the band. And so, Vinny Poncia produced Dynasty, which, oh, okay. Had I was made for loving you on it. And obviously, and, you know, was kind of a, kind of a pop rock i mean people call it a disco album it's not a disco album it's a it's a pop rock album with a disco influenced song on it that's the way i would describe it but that's how yeah and so they just kept him for this but i mean the production on dynasty versus the production on this uh i mean the dynasty production i love this one is just really thin and uh and poppy sounding so so side two, what are your... So tomorrow I had another new wavy sounding song. I like had a good lead and chorus. Um, two sides of the coins. Wasn't a huge fan of the lyrics, but I really liked the pre-chorus. Um, sounds like uh, sounds like Kiss. And of course, you you had heard a portion of that song before. Yeah, I wondered what <laughs> where that came from. I knew that's, it was Kiss, but I didn't know where it came that's, from. Yeah, that's where it comes from, so... 
she's so European. Um, not a, not a huge fan. New wave keyboards. Um, it's kind of. I don't know. The, it's, it doesn't do much for me. Um, easy as it seems. That, another one that sounds like 1980. Um, yep. I thought the chorus was kind of steely Danish. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's got 80s keyboards. Um, Torpedo Girl. Um, I thought it had real cool drums and a and bass. It was I, I put Funky Kiss. Yeah. That it yep. does not sound like Kiss, but I, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Um, you're all I want guitars and riff good. Um, but that one didn't do much for me either. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. So tomorrow I think is a good, is a good song. I, again, there's weird, I, the, the lyrics of some of these songs and even like, what, what does she's so European mean? <laughs> what does torpedo girl <laughs> exactly what are we talking about what's naked city you know anyway kind of odd so i mean the one line in tomorrow i think it's a good song i like the chorus um but he says like a moth i was in your flame (laughs) i don't know and there's hand clapping and snapping in that song which is just kind of odd to me uh two sides of the coin i i like the song and i like the I like the chorus. I like the pre-chorus. I need some time to ease my mind. Um, and then obviously I use it during the during this uh, segment uh, now, which I think it fits, fits pretty well. She's so European. Yeah, cheesy. I think Jean sounds great. And kind of during the pre-choruses, she's got a well-planned look in her eyes. She's got a well-planned coverless smile. I, I think he sounds actually really good. And during the outro, there's a real low yeah that he that he does and then he holds a high pitched note in there for way longer than what he can <laughs> probably do so there's got to be some trickery in there but anyway i i kind of like his vocal in that song easy as it seems interesting bass line and decent groove but doesn't do a ton for me torpedo girl you know outside of the submarine sound effects and the uh, subject matter, I guess, of what, what he's talking about. You know, come on, get your feet wet right before the solo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And it, get this, Craig, you'll appreciate this. In high school, maybe junior year, Mike Dury got in my car and I was listening to this album. And he actually remembered Torpedo Girl for some reason. I can still remember that. And he kind of laughed at it a little bit as it being cheesy, but, but remembered it. And I, I, again, I know your, your brother was obviously good friends with him. Yeah. They was, lived right across the street. From yeah. Us. Yeah. And he was in uh, typhoid Mary. He was the drummer. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so he, he might've liked that because of the drums. Yeah. There you go. But yeah, I think, I think the song, actually, I think the song structure and the music and the, the melodies and everything is, are cool. I just, where, What's up with the submarine stuff? And uh, I don't know. I don't know. And then you're all that I want, which this is hit or miss with Kiss fans. But I actually I like it. I like the riff. I like Gene during the the verses, and then especially the outro when Paul comes in on some of that call and response. He but they should extend that out further. It kind of starts fading like immediately, so you don't get to hear Paul's great interjections there at the end. But all in all. 
I, I like that. I like that song. So, so Craig, after, uh, you know, one listen, what, <laughs> which, which side would you go with? Well, on side one, I had, I, I liked, is that you? And on side two, I like two sides of the coin, torpedo girl. So I'm going to have to go with side two. <laughs> yep. And so I like, I mean, some of my, my favorite songs on this whole album, Tomorrow, She's So European, You All That I Want, those are all on side two. So I'm going with side two over side one as well. But I think I think there's some decent songs in here. It'd be interesting to hear some of these songs either live, you know, or rocked up more, maybe, you know, different production. Yeah. I, it, would, it would be, and people have done covers of them and, you know, kind of rocked them up a little bit, which is an interesting, you know, listen to just see, hey, what, what could this have sounded like? You know, if they weren't going for a pop new wave type of sound. It's nice they found their footing again, like a couple of years later. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. So all right, Craig. This was great. Heck yeah. Thanks that for joining fun. me again. Yeah. 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 Thank you. That was fun. That was a fun listen. Yeah. Good. Did anyone see the arena leg of the Aerosmith Kiss Tour in two thousand three? If so, when and where and what were your thoughts, memories, or stories from that show? What are your thoughts on Aerosmith's fourth, fifth, and sixth studio albums, Rocks, Draw the Line, and Night in the Ruts, versus Kiss's fourth, fifth, and sixth studio albums, Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, and Love Gun? And last but not least, what are your thoughts on Kiss's eighth studio album, Unmasked, from 1980? Side one or side two? Let us know your thoughts by emailing us at slamfestpodcast at gmail.com or request to join our private Facebook page at Slamfest Podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Thank you.